0: This is a podcast about the hardcore community.
1: Made by and for those who live authentic lives and embrace hard truths.
0: We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyon. And I'm Greg Benoit. And this is the Hardcore Archive Podcast. All right, so... uh... This is gonna be a kind of fun episode because when I first started doing these episodes, it was kind of reuniting with old friends and such. And uh, I've reunited with some people in some faraway places uh, in the two and a half years, but definitely never somebody in Japan where we had to uh, set aside uh, time time constraints and such in advance. We've had people from a few different continents. Uh, like I was saying before, talking with Greg before recording this, uh, we're, only, we're only gonna be missing two now. So it's pretty cool. Uh, we're able we'll to do anything with uh, technology and such. But we're gonna talk to my old friend Randy from Buffalo who now lives in Japan. Uh, I first met Randy in 1997. Uh, I'm not sure if he remembers that, but we'll talk all about that. Uh, Fun experiences from those years, Project Grizzly, all the stuff he's been doing in Japan, uh, beer and playing music and all sorts of other fun stuff. So with all that being said, how's anything going for you tonight, Randy?
2: Yeah, it's going pretty well.
0: I I guess tonight for me and today for you, come to think of it.
2: Yeah, 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 it's, well, I mean, now the 30th and 1230 in the afternoon so just the right time to start drinking
0: oh and one thing i guess i forgot to put in my spiel i think uh congratulations are in order now too yes
2: yes 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 yeah i just got married uh on the 12th
0: yeah very recent so that's cool um yeah congrats that's really cool um you know so we'll get to all that i'm I'm really excited to hear about all your Experiences in Japan. Uh, I've, I've listened to one interview you did on uh, uh, NCS. Shout out to Nickel City, obviously friends of ours. Um, so I've heard of some of some of it, but I'm sure we'll get to a little bit more today on this. But uh, uh first, I think we'll kind of go in a timeline. I kind of want to talk to you about like Buffalo and stuff like that first. So uh, before we talk about like bands and stuff, uh, I guess just kind of tell me about like how you got uh, you know into like extreme music, like metal, hardcore, punk, all that stuff. Because I know like, like you know metal is probably pretty big for you too. Obviously, you know.
2: Yeah. 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 It started out, uh, I mean, really when I was in middle school, my first, uh, concerts I went to were MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, uh, Paula Abdul, you know, all the important shit when you're younger.
0: Dude, liked... my, my very first concert was MC Hammer. That's really funny. Nice. So, nice. Was that yeah.
2: same MC Hammer uh, Vanilla Ice tour?
0: It wasn't that tour, unfortunately. It was, uh, MC Hammer, Jodeci, Boys to Men, and possibly one other one, but it would have been cool to have seen Vanilla Ice. So uh, sorry to and, and interject with your early concert experiences, but that's a funny coincidence.
1: <laughs> no worries.
2: But even before that, like seeing, um, going with my parents to see like Sha or the Beach Boys and stuff like that. So like music has always kind of like just been there for me. Um, as far as extreme music went, first started off like getting into like faith no more and metallica and stuff like that around seventh grade early eighth grade and then somehow got thrown into listening to cannibal corpse and went to see them right before i started high school in like 92 it was cannibal corpse obituary malevolent creation and agnostic front but of course being a dumb young kid at 13 i left before agnostic front so i didn't actually see them in 92
0: um obviously with cannibal corpse being you know buffalo uh was that a big thing for you early on like were you seeing those guys a lot after that like first experience or uh i mean not as much as i would like to have seen them but
2: uh their practice space used to be right around the corner from where i live so a friend and i and I would always go there and hang out in front and talk to them when they were coming out so plus my cousin was good friends with them as well and it kind of like, was that lead into getting to know more extreme and underground music.
0: So was there a couple of years of going and listening to more like metal stuff? Or did you kind of find like hardcore and punk like pretty quickly after that too?
2: Uh, it was more metal
0: and like death metal,
2: obituary, uh, disharmonic orchestra, pungent stench, a lot of that kind of stuff, like getting the old, uh, what, the death is just the beginning series from, I think it's from relapse. Right. And like listening to bands like macabre and all that kind of shit. And from there, after I met my first girlfriend, she was really into hardcore punk. So she introduced me to agnostic front to actually hear it on record. Like, Oh yeah, I was supposed to see this band, but I left early. So I didn't get to see them. She's like, Oh, you should listen. It was really good. So we listened to uh, Liberty and justice. And then uh, of course youth of today, misfits, all that kind of stuff. She introduced me to, and that yeah, was just after that listening to hardcore punk death metal still had a place in my heart for some more of the, like the alternative stuff like faith no more that when new records would come out i'd buy those two
0: and so uh at, at this point did she start taking you and, and getting you uh, like acclimated to like shows in buffalo because obviously uh i don't really know her that well but i know i, I that's how i met you guys is like randy and amy so yeah like yeah. Were, you, were you guys going to shows uh pretty heavily like pretty quickly then or
2: i think our first show that we went to was probably 94. Before that, we'd go see the Google Goo Dolls. That was always amazing. Uh, what year did Green Day come to Buffalo? I think 94 as well, when they played at Blind Melons. Uh, Ramones in 95, so it was after we were already going to hardcore shows. We yeah, had 94, Unbroken, and Undertow at the Irish Community Center with, I believe it was one of the early despair shows um burst of silence played i want to say plagued with rage played that show i could be
0: wrong so now as we'll get to and from knowing you in those years like i know you were into like fast hardcore and like stuff like that but like coming from like metal and stuff like that like when you first heard like the more metallic side of hardcore like obviously bands like integrity and shit like that like were you like like kind of floored by that or were you kind of like like almost like looking down on it as like a metal head you know what i mean i
2: don't know it was was a little bit of both depending on which band it was integrity i never really got into until about three years ago that it was one of those bands like yeah i'd hear it but didn't really make you know an impact on me now everything up until humanity's the devil season size of the day as well all that i listen to constantly i wish i would have listened to it a lot more when i was younger um yeah like unbroken didn't really stick out to me when i saw them again i kind of regret that because life love regret is probably one of the best metal hardcore records ever um groundwork is a band that stuck out so i remember amy buying the groundwork lp and just i thought it was absolutely groundbreaking kind of music just weird but also heavy as hell kind of cool shit. yeah, I mean, I was still probably more pushing on the death metal side and then old school hardcore. I wasn't really into like the mid-90s metal hardcore stuff. Whereas now I can kind of go back to it and be like, oh, I can see why this was so popular and went so well.
0: And it's a lot of what I listen to as far as hardcore records
2: go recently.
0: You know, Unbroken, Life, Love, Regret, that's one of those records. And even after this interview, I'm going to try and listen to it. It'll be It'll be late here tonight. But... I, I, I want I honestly kind of want to do like an episode of our podcast like this now, of like records that like everybody loves, but like for some reason I've never gotten into. Cause like you're saying, like there's a lot of records that you've like, it's taken you a long time to get into. Like I've gone back and listened to that every few years, like ever since I got on a mixtape in like the early 2000s. And I've always just been like, I don't know what I'm missing here. But like, what's interesting too is like a lot of the bands in the era that you're talking about is like right before like Ben and I kind of got into hardcore cause we got more sure. into like 96, 97. And I think those bands, were more kind of like popular and hitting their peak like 93 94 and so i think missing them live is something i probably really missed out on too you know what i mean because i feel like I mean, seeing unbroken live would have been you know
2: yeah i mean that's possible i i i wonder because sometimes i've seen bands live and i'm like yeah uh, what is this and i hear the record and think it's absolutely amazing or of course i have had the opposite where you know i've heard the record and like oh my god this is terrible and then see them live like wait a minute why didn't i get this when i heard the record i think unholy grave is probably the perfect example of that their records sound like garbage but live they are insanely amazing
0: uh i guess we'll get to all that they're from japan too right yep so have you seen are they from like near where you are or
2: i think they're an Osaka band i don't remember exactly which is our Osaka or tokyo but yeah
0: have you have you seen those guys play a bunch though or
2: yeah i saw them when i like in the first couple of years of being here yeah i saw them like two or three times
0: i want to say they came over here once or twice i know ben and i because ben and i still talk about like whenever those kind of bands like come over to the states because even like agathocles came over here uh like within the last couple years and we were both kind of like holy shit!" because i think they played buffalo i want to say pat might have done something for them but it's always crazy when bands like that make it over here you know what i mean like and I, i want to say they did at least once or twice um but i guess kind of sticking to buffalo until we get to all that craziness um I know we'll get to like you playing in bands and stuff, but like when did you start playing like actual like were you already playing instruments like like at a young age, or did you start doing that more like when you started trying to play bands and stuff? Yeah,
2: I mean in junior high school, I had bought a my parents bought me a guitar and it just started fucking around on that. Didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. Um from there it turned into doing noise projects at first. So with um with Amy, with Mike Usher. He was in a couple different bands himself as well. Uh, can't remember the name. He was in Mindset. Mike Usher was also in, what was the uh, band with Doug Luke? Oh, singing. Mike Usher was playing bass. Can't remember the name of that band. But yeah. But yeah, we'd just mess around, do some noise stuff. We did, I think, three different noise projects that were on like Sean Lambert's. Uh, Label as well as uh the guy from Captain
0: Three Leg, lot yeah. Trading. yeah, dude, every time NCS posts, like, who should we have on the podcast? Like, what are the best guests we could have? I'm always like, dude, you guys gotta fucking dig up Sean Lambert and interview him. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Like, for imagine anybody before? listening, what I've I never met him. He I think he came to Rochester one time, and I don't know what I was doing that night. That I because I don't know if you remember Spindle. He did a fanzine and he put on a bunch of punk shows here. I think he got him to come into Rochester one time. I could be wrong about that. But for those who are listening who don't know what we're talking about, uh, I don't even think people like this really exist anymore, but I could be wrong. Sean Lambert, I can't remember what the name of his tape label was, but he would release, like, uh, You're Not Normal, right? You're Not Normal yes, Records? Yes. He would release, like, I don't know if you call it harsh noise, extreme noise, like like bedroom recordings of people making noise on, like, compilation tapes and, like, all sorts of other bands andy coettles i feel like was a little bit more organized some of the bands like it was actual bands whereas a lot of sean's it was actually it was a lot of noise you know right um but he put he was fucking pumping out tapes like crazy uh with with his projects and like the compilations and shit and i would just love to hear like it's some kind of interview or documentation on people that were doing that kind of shit because you don't see, I don't know. I don't, I'm not involved anymore, so I could be wrong, but I feel like you don't see that kind of shit anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's something that's fallen through the cracks
2: of the history of hardcore punk that all that noise shit that was going on from around 90, probably early nineties up until I think I stopped doing it around 97, 98 myself, but yeah, definitely Sean Lambert and Andy from captain three leg. They're putting out a ton of different stuff. Of course, uh, tear you new asshole. Was a part of that stuff. Um, I did a band called, well, noise project called Out and Out Stupid that was a snare drum guitar through like a shitty practice amp and just screaming over it. Then uh, Amy was a part of that. Mike Usher was a part of that. Then Amy and I did another noise project called uh, Christ is Dead that was her shitty old keyboard run through that amp on distortion
0: and just screaming over that. Uh, I guess on the other side of the noise spectrum. Come to think of it, talking about Japan real quick. Have you fucked with mersbo at all since you've been there? Or? No, no, no. Do you listen yeah, to that I mean, stuff at all, or, or not? Not really. No.
2: Yeah, the noise stuff. I grew out of that kind of quickly. Yeah. There's still a still kind of like that special spot in my heart for it, but yeah. it's not something I'm searching out.
0: I don't fuck with any of the harsh stuff. But there was one night, well, probably two nights within the last few years, where I like either couldn't sleep or I was kind of bored late at night, and I put on the on spotify I, I fell asleep pretty quickly you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. it definitely it, it did its uh effective trick for me but it's it's just crazy that those guys have been like people like that have been doing that kind of shit for so many years and there's like a a niche like i don't even think he's a niche like he's pretty popular you know what i mean so it's crazy yeah. so um but then i know you ended up doing project grizzly eventually like what, what what other bands uh you did a couple other bands before that right
2: no actually project Grizzly was the first band actual band that i did And it started off first time uh, going to a practice space with Eric Allman. And then he introduced me to Adam and Ian. And so then we started over three of us. Amy came into vocals for a bit. Things didn't work out. She left. Then Eric did one gig with us doing vocals. And then Ben came in. So that was kind of like how Project Isley finally got to the lineup that it was before I left for Japan. It was a band that was constantly, you know... We practice, we'd be going good, make songs, we play a gig, and then everyone's like, oh, I need a month off. Like, Okay. So then Project Grizzly moved very slowly for that reason.
0: But yeah. Now, um, I guess I'm, did, did the band stick around for a little bit after you went to Japan? Because I guess I always was, I, I guess uh, I kind of figured they fizzled out after you left or whatever. They seemed to, for a little
2: bit, maybe played a couple of shows and... I don't remember who played bass after that, uh, i can tell you, but yeah, they, they did some recording stuff, but never did the vocals for it or didn't finish it up. So
0: yeah. Um, and so I guess that was pretty much your first time going on tour then, uh, the, the tours that, uh, project grizzly did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but during
2: that time also like early 2000, uh, was in a band called not that was myself. Eric Allman on vocals, Nick Barron on guitar and Jared from no time left slash gas chamber on drums. First time him playing drums. And yeah, that band as well played quite a bit of shows went around. And then once Blake from no time left came back to Buffalo, the band, Eric's like, yeah, we're done. And the band was done.
0: I don't remember that band at all. I don't remember Nick Barron ever playing guitar. Is that his only time playing like instruments in a band?
2: No, he played guitar in on alert as well, which I was in too.
0: So oh, out of I don't Knot, that band
2: yet. yeah, I'd have not became on alert. So me and Nick wanted to continue on, um, had to find a drummer because Jared didn't really want to do it at that point. He wanted to keep it just the four of us and just the same members, members and that's it. So Nick and I moved on. We got uh, Newman to play drums who was in Can I Say and I don't remember what bands after that. Uh, Jay Draper on second guitar and then Dan Cross on vocals.
0: Yeah, that's right i remember that band but I, I like yeah it was just i guess i kind of blocked out i remember i forgot nick did anything other than I, i'd always picture him having like speeches before every song you know i mean i don't picture him playing guitar so
2: and broken knees <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah definitely those for sure um so any uh obviously uh i'm asking for partially a, f- a funny reason but any fun memories from uh uh touring with uh project grizzly and whatnot <laughs> Uh, There's a lot, a lot of stories. I think the best one,
2: I don't know which story, I don't remember which stories Ben told when he was on. I don't think he told this one, that we were in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, and we had the day off playing the next day. It was a Wednesday, I think, and the local bar had like 10 cent drafts, and Ben just got wrecked. He was like he bought a whole pitcher, so like you know, 10 cent draft probably was it cost him a buck to get a pitcher of whatever shitty beer it was. It was funny because at, at that time I was straight edge. Of course, uh, Adam was straight edge. He drinks now. I don't think I don't know about Ian. I have have not been in touch with Ian whatsoever. But uh, yeah, I mean Ben was the only one who was drinking, and he just got completely trashed. And he's walking around the bar just like you know saying fuck you jocks and trying to throw beer at people. So I took him out brought him back to the place we we're staying got him to sleep i went back out for a bit and then in the middle of the night everyone wakes up to hearing like a weird sound ben's in the corner pissing on uh jay from abusing the words feet and I'm like, dude ben that's not the toilet and he's like i don't it's something i don't care like it's it is now or some shit like that and we're just like you know what we're not dealing with this and we went back to sleep
0: uh I know from personal shout out to Ben Keefe, lifelong friend, uh, helped me through some rough times. Yeah, he helped me through some rough times when I was going through some drinking problems. But yeah, he definitely uh, peed on some stuff and some people's stuff uh, (laughs) other times too. Um, But that you guys, you guys did at least at least one or two uh, vinyl recordings too, right, Project Grizzly? Yeah, we did a split seven inch
2: with uh, Drunken Order Destruction. We did the demo, which turned into a one-sided seven-inch. We recorded five or six songs for another split EP that never happened. I still have those songs. I'm trying to think of me, I'll probably just make a bandcamp at some point, put it all up there, and just let people download it. Need to find time to do shit like that.
0: But yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Richard Ramos put out the the split too, right or no? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's Shout out to Richard Ramos.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. sore spot for me.
0: Did he fuck? Did he fuck you guys over? Or?
2: I don't know what happened, but uh, the, um, the limited version never came. Uh, So I had to search it out myself and I bought it recently. It was like three bucks or whatever, but still. Yeah.
0: yeah he was yeah, a good perfect. dude. I, I used to, I used to trade straight with him back then. And I've, I actually recently found him on Instagram within the last couple of years. And I, I guess I, you know, I don't really talk to him all that much, but it seems like he's kind of going through some health issues. So, hmm. uh, I got, obviously i wish them all the best it sucks that there was a little issue with the the vinyl back then but um, yeah, i I I I, I, uh, I I I as somebody who ran a record label i definitely had some relationships sour over not vinyl, but definitely things that i could have done better so i've definitely been there you know so um but was that was my timeline right though did you pretty much go to japan pretty much at the end of project grizzly then or was there was there like a time in between or
2: No yeah just I left around uh, but 2003 summer 2003 and project grizzly was going to continue on, I was just going to be gone for a year was the original plan and i'd come back and I never came back but.
1: (laughs) But yeah I I, mean,
2: it was supposed to be, I was leaving uh, they'd find a replacement bass player until I came back, as well as uh, on alert the same thing. Halfway through I decided you know i'm going to stay another year so after that i'm just like i'm out of the bands you guys do whatever you want
0: to do. So I guess you, like you said, you kind of went there just with the intention of only being there for a year, um, like I, but I know like listening to bands and like having interest in the culture, like, was there ever like a thought in the back of your mind, like, as you were going there, like, this would be really cool to stay here for a little bit longer or, or was it just kind of like, eventually you realized like when you were there that you could stay longer.
2: Why I was here, what, what made me realize I should stay longer is I wanted to learn more of the language. So came here in July of 2003, by December, the job I had was like, oh, so you're gonna renew for next year? I'm just like, I kind of just got here. Do I have to make this decision? So I had a conversation with a friend about it. And he's like, just say yes. And if you back out later, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. So I signed on for, you know, yes. And a couple months after that, I'm just like, you know, I definitely should just continue on, learn more of the language, get to know, you know, a different culture, I mean, as well as living in Osaka for the first three years was great. It was kind of a smaller, I mean, Osaka is a huge city, but in Japan, it's basically like a mid size kind of city kind of concept. Tokyo is insane, right? Tokyo is an insane size, insane size city. Osaka is about half of that, if not less. So it kind of had that Buffalo kind of feel where you could be around in the city, you could bicycle anywhere, you could get anywhere easily. You'd still know everybody when you went out somewhere, but everything you wanted to do was there. international kind of concept as well. You had lots of different people from different countries coming with bands and such. It was just kind of like, oh, I really enjoyed this getting to know the world through this city and it just kept me here.
0: So uh, we we st- this year, our four-year-old son started taking karate. So because of that, I can say, I can probably count uh maybe from like one to six in japanese like what was your knowledge of like the language like when you first went there like did you know could you speak it at all like were you kind of like studying it like when you realized you were going over there or
2: zero i had nothing
0: and then you just started learning like while you were there pretty much like the first few months because you're saying like you wanted to learn more of it like so how hard was it like because i know you were like an english teacher like was everybody at the school you worked at did they all speak english and stuff or
2: No, I was teaching at a junior high school and outside of the couple English teachers, nobody spoke English and most of the kids, it was not a nice area just per se, like for Japanese standards. So yeah, I mean, the kids didn't want to speak English at all. They would just speak Japanese to me all the time.
0: So yeah. Would it be hard to like communicate and stuff at that point, obviously, like if you, if you're still kind of like learning the language. Not really. I mean. You got gestures, you got body
2: language, you can generally get the idea and over time you start learning small words to go back and forth with and you learn how to communicate. Like going to punk gigs was great because constantly trying to talk to different bands and stuff like that. Some people had really bad broken English. Some people could speak really good English. You know, some had zero English, but still getting along and going to the after parties, trying to communicate, putting myself in that position constantly to have to speak the language, have to, understand what's being said to me really helped.
0: So I guess with that being said, like, did you kind of acclimate yourself into the scene there pretty quickly? Like once you went over there or. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, in two weeks I had see, I went to see, um, warhead forward zone and nightmare.
0: So that's one thing I want to, uh, I guess I want to preface as I'm not as familiar with Japanese hardcore. I know it's kind of become more popular in recent years over here. So I should kind of have already, uh, you know, been more, but I'm not as familiar. I'll, I'll definitely say that. So some of the bands you're going to mention, I'm probably, I probably don't know as much about, Okay. um, but like, did you like, did you start like getting acclimated, like going to like all the local shows too, or just like when, whenever, like there were bands, like you're familiar with, like, like on a, like on a you know you'd seen their records before type thing you know what i mean or you just going to like as many shows as you could but like like right away you know what i mean
2: yeah i was just going to as many shows as i could wanting to see the classic bands wanting to see more of like the fast hardcore bands which before going to japan i wasn't really into a lot of the jap the classic japanese hardcore and i'd widen go see like you know razors edge or Jelly Roll rockheads and that kind of stuff the futures those bands some of them were a bit disappointing Compared to what I was expecting, whereas like the classic Japanese hardcore bands were untouchable and how amazing they were live and how well they could play instruments and just you know their the performance everything was just full of energy.
0: Were like what like what like are the are the shows pretty big though like are the like because like I, I imagine some of those bands that might not like the the shows here like a Buffalo Rochester might be like a bug jar type thing like maybe like two hundred people but I I picture over there being like. A little bit bigger, even for the fast stuff. You know what I mean? Like, or is it about the same? About the same. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Whether it's Osaka or Tokyo, I mean, maybe Tokyo, you get 200, 300 people, depending on who's playing, where it's at, but it's not much different. There's a lot more people buying records here than there are people going to shows.
0: You know, for some reason, too, I don't know why, but I always picture like, people still wearing like 25 to life and inferior five jerseys over there like is there like a big scene for like that kind of stuff over there
2: yeah i never really got into it until like recently just getting introduced to some of the different bands but there's definitely that beat down hardcore kind of scene going on this seems to be bigger than any of the other scenes here makes sense i mean it's kind of the same in the u.s right like the more major kind of new york style hardcore bands tend to draw a lot more than what you get for your fast core or your old school hardcore that kind of thing right
0: yeah they draw more but the faster stuff seems to be becoming more popular in recent years it's it's definitely not nearly as popular as like a like a mad ball or a terror you know what i mean but like bands like the chisel and like uh warthog they seem to be like pretty popular now you know what i mean so um i don't know if any of those bands have come over there or whatever what the reaction would be like there but um But I know like uh, uh, there's one band from Japan, uh, Sand, I think they're called. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. Uh, I've seen videos of them and and sometimes I just can't tell if it's like a gimmick or if, you know, and I don't want to offend anybody when I say shit like that because I've said it about like even uh, U.S. bands that are doing like this kind of like rapcore thing now. And I'm like, I can't tell if this is like a real thing or if it's like they're kind of fucking around, you know, but like people, people go crazy for it because that band came over here and played. Uh, like this is hardcore fest a few years ago. I saw the videos of it, and there people are like stage diving and shit. And I was like, "Man, it's, it's crazy," <laughs> you
2: know? Yeah, I don't think that shit for those bands is a gimmick. Some of those guys do do side projects and stuff like that as gimmicks. The um, there's a who's it members of? I think it's members of like Numb, um, maybe Sand. I don't remember who else is in it, but they do a band called Fatball, and the singer's this big, huge Japanese guy. So hence, Fatball, right? And they just do mad ball covers. It's amazing.
0: Oh, I think I've I think I've heard of that. I might have even seen a video there. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so I like what are some other noteworthy like bands that you've seen there, whether it's from there or or, or like you know, international stuff.
2: It's a good question. I mean, when I was in Osaka, Nightmare and Warhead were my go-to. Whenever they play, I definitely go see them. Probably saw them in Osaka in the first three years, like 30 times each. Um, who else? Forward's always good. Tetsare has always been good. Um, Melt Banana, absolutely amazing. Uh, let's see who else, who else really sticks out in Japan that are, haven't been, I mean, of course, COVID and shit. So I hadn't gone to gigs for a while, but also before that, just getting busy with trying to do my own businesses or trying to just figure myself out. I kind of stopped going to shows for a little bit. Um, who else really stands out? Rocking in the Sweden, still amazing live. Um, Gates is a pretty good band. It, pretty much everything here, all the bands have a certain high quality to them. You don't see that half-assed, I can't play my instruments kind of punk rock here. Nobody would get up on stage like that. I guess in that sense, maybe it has a little bit more of a kind of New York feel to it where you you see like the New York bands have a certain level of, we're gonna play our instruments at least to this level before we start playing live, before we start doing recordings and stuff like that, right? Um, Yeah, international bands, Poison Idea, one of the best bands I've ever seen. Uh, Who else sticks out international bands? Murphy's Law was fun the last time they were here. Who else i seen, Sick of It All, of course, Saw them plenty of times back in Buffalo and then seeing them here. And Barney actually did vocals with them uh, the last time All played in Japan. That was pretty cool. What else? Of course, Napalm Death. I Hate God was a disappointment. That was weird, because like when I saw them in Buffalo in 97, they were amazing. But when I saw them in Japan, it's just like, yeah, this is boring. That's I, like, I don't know if it's just because they're all sober now and it just it kind of takes away from what they should be.
0: I was going to say the opposite, too. I was going to say all the years of abuse that they probably took that's probably, like, playing live now. But you're probably right. Like, it's different now playing without the influence or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, know, I mean,
2: I've seen – I was keeping track of it for a while and then I kind of just stopped. UK subs – Every time they've come over here, they've been awesome. Uh, yeah, it seems to be a lot more English bands that come over here that kind of make an impact than it is uh, U.S. bands. Infest, Infest is awesome both times I've seen them here.
0: They've played over there twice since you've been over there. Infest says,
2: "Yeah, wow." They came a... in, in 2017 and then again in 2019.
0: So there's 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 probably like two or three like. You could call them like legacy like type bands or whatever that I haven't seen yet that are like at the top of my list and that and that's definitely one of them. You know, like I've seen like Negative Approach and Judge and a few other like classic bands over the years. You know, but Infest is like they seem like one of those bands at first that wouldn't reunite to and now they've been playing a bunch of shows, but none of them have been anywhere close to Rochester, obviously. And I don't really travel as far having kids and stuff. You know, so yeah, yeah, you know. But that would be really. I'm, I'm guessing that obviously. You said it was really cool seeing them live. So I'm guessing most of the time when they play, it'd be pretty uh <laughs> intense, you know? Um, And the Murphy's Carly's Law things. The Murphy's Law- great. What's that?
2: Harley's War. They were great.
0: I never I-, I saw Harley with the mags like 20 years ago, but he was kind of a dick on stage. I was during that era when he was like kicking people and okay. hitting people at his base and stuff. So it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And you know i actually saw them twice that year because they played posi fest and they played uh hellfest in 2002 mm. and uh that that hellfest thing was the same he was just you know i mean you know people get older i guess so it is what it is but i don't know yeah. um uh, but the murphy's law thing's funny too because we'll get to i i, I we're going to play a song of, of a band we're going to talk about of yours and i picked the, the song that i picked I picked it's like a song that kind of reminds me of like, like gangrene or Murphy's law. Like it, it has that kind of crazy feel to it. Like obviously with the Japanese element added to it, you know what I mean? It, it seems kind of more like a party song, the song that I picked from you guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. um, but any other, uh, any other standout, uh, shows that you've seen there or anything? Anal cunt. Did you see them over there? Yeah. It was uh
2: napalm death anal Cunt pig destroyer tour in like 2005 ish somewhere around there
0: uh, was that was that uh seth seth being seth that night or
2: i wasn't uh, he seemed all right was he i mean i heard like as he progressed on like before he died he got more and more insane but he yeah. seemed pretty together
0: yeah when we saw him at the we saw him in 98 at that what what became hellfest it wasn't too crazy he just he, he took like an american flag and put it between his like crotchal region and like ran around with that i think he ruffled some you know uh probably right wing hardcore kids feathers or whatever but
2: yeah
0: what are you gonna do uh yeah exactly um but yo i i know we'll get to your relationship with napalm death in a little bit too but do, do they play there a lot because you've mentioned seeing them a few times and you mentioned barney doing vocals for sick of it all and i know from the ncs interview you mentioned barney having a hand in some other tour that you saw over there too. So like, do they, are they, are they over there a lot or?
2: Yeah, they come over quite a bit. Uh, Shane's wife is Japanese. Barney was dating a Japanese girl for a while and you know, they just have a good relationship with Japan in general. So they do come over quite a bit. Barney used to come over just to hang out. He's hoping to do that sometime next year. So plus playing, I think Napalm's supposed to come over on May next year. So my current band will probably open up the Tokyo gig, which will be nice.
0: That's sick. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a good segue for two things. And we'll get to the band in a second. But I, I'm I'm super curious about the beer thing. Um, like when did you like when did you get into all this? Like, were you was it over there or like had you already kind of developed an interest in like like brewing and and like micro brews and stuff while you were still in Buffalo?
2: No, it, it started over here. I mean, I was Straight Edge until 2004. Oh, yeah, that's right. So my first six months here, I didn't drink. Uh, drinking in Japan, it's pretty much cultural necessary, necessary part of the culture. Like you go out, everyone has that first, like let's have a kampai, that cheers, and then you know, whatever. And I remember having that like the dilemma for the end of the year party for where I was working. What do I do? Do I just you know, do I ignore it and be like sorry, I'm not doing this because I don't drink, and everyone else is like this is our culture, and you know friend of mine said, dude, just do the cheers, put the, you know, to your lips, just touch a little bit, there you go, don't drink anything else after that, you're fine, right, You're still, you're respecting the culture, but you're also maintaining your own, what you prefer to do, I thought that was good advice, and it just as it went on, and I was already kind of having that, getting tired of straight edge in the sense that there's a lot of people that were still that militant, kind of like, if you're not straight edge, you're no good, and it just never made sense to me, kind of a stupid kind of concept it also well when i broke edge some people stopped talking to me not going to mention names but good for them again it just it reinforced my sense of like it doesn't matter people everyone's going to do what they need to do for themselves so just do it and just be respectful to everybody else we're good the same thing with like vegetarianism i was vegetarian for five years here that was not easy to do now it'd be easy. Now like there's vegan and vegetarian options everywhere. When I first came here, there was nothing. That was another thing, it's just it got tiring going to people's places to hang out, have dinner or whatever, and it'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't eat anything you've made. It just felt really rude and disrespectful to go into somebody's house and refuse what they're offering you. You know what I mean? So for me, it just like, that was a big part of me just stopping being vegetarian and just, you know what? How about I just eat healthy that I balance it and, even now I'll still cook like three times a week, vegetarian food, try to do, you know, eat as best as I can for myself. Don't eat red meat very often, maybe a couple of times a month, but yeah, it's just kind of keeping that balance of respecting the culture of respecting myself at the same time and making sure that we can interact in the best way possible. So like, yeah, with the drinking, once I started drinking, yeah, I, I had a couple of years where, Catching up and went a bit crazy. Then uh you know, got into a little bit more beer, came back to Buffalo, bought like some Southern Tier and that kind of stuff, thought it was pretty good, slowly got into craft beer. And around 2017 started homebrewing and just went crazy, like oh, this is fun. I'm just I'm creating something. Just went full on into it. And in a year, got recruited to be in a brewery, and now I'm a head brewer at a brewery in Tokyo.
0: Wow. So this all just started as a hobby and like, you hadn't like really done much experience with any of it. And it just kind of like snowballed from there. Like you said, basically. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that because I've like, Ben's mentioned it to me over the years, like not over the years, but recently, you know what I mean? He's been like, yeah, he's doing like, Randy's doing the beer thing. And I I honestly kind of assumed you had like, like we have Genesee brewery here, for example, you know what I mean? I assumed you had like done some sort of not apprenticeship, but like worked in a place like that. Like, before. That's crazy that it all started off as your own thing. And then like, is that where you're sitting now too? Is like in one of your like places that you have like, like for your, for your shit or.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, the brewery I work at right now. So. Wow.
0: That's awesome. Um, and I know like we, like I, we've referenced you have the, you've, you've done some shit with Barney from Napalm death. Like have you done anything else like that? Or is that just like a one-off thing that you've done?
2: Yeah, we did uh, two different collaboration beers with Napalm. Um, First one was just small batch. We sold at the last time they played in Japan. we sold the beer there. That money went to charity, the profits went to charity. Then we did another collaboration, like a really big batch, like, well, for the US, a small batch, but for here, big 700, 800 liters worth of an imperial stout called Smashing Imperialism. And again, profits, not all the profits, but enough can go to charity. It's going to help uh, Second Harvest, which is a, charity that helps out homeless or needy people with food. They'll go around to supermarkets or convenience stores, get all the stuff they're gonna throw away and then give that food to people who need it, whether it be people who are homeless, whether it be like single mothers, whether it be people who are escaping uh, domestic violence, any kind of person that really is in the need for food because they don't have the money right now for whatever reason. And then another charity that uh, we've supported through the Napalm Death one is a place called Bridge for Smile which helps out orphans in Japan move from an orphanage into regular life. In Japan it's hard to get an apartment, it's hard to do a lot of things if you don't have family support. So this charity kind of does that that in between for these kids to make sure that they don't become homeless, or they don't just move into some shitty halfway kind of house kind of thing and just stop caring about life and become nihilistic and that kind of shit.
0: Are there a lot of orphanages in in Japan or
2: I don't know how many there are. It's hard to kind of find a lot of that data here, but, uh, you know, obviously there must be a fair amount if there's a charity set up to help these kids.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess kind of stepping back because I'm just kind of blown away by, like, I know there's a local brewery here called Three Heads. that started off very similar. Like, I think it started off with just dudes brewing in their garage and, they, and they're there for like a full-time, like where they distribute it to all the local areas. Like at what point, like because were you still teaching english at that point or, were you, or did you have a different uh, uh job when, when you like kind of switched over to doing the, brew, the brewing thing you know what i mean
2: well i started off when i first came to tokyo taught in an international school and i did that for six years and after that i moved on to start my own bar which i did for a year and i left because the partner i had wasn't what i thought you know would be best for me to continue on with so i stopped that and then went back to teaching and opened up a second bar at the same time, did that for about four years and then sold my part for just to get some of the money out of it. And around that same time, I got recruited into brewing here. So I was still teaching when I first came here into the brewery, but yeah, that, after six months, I'm like, yeah, I don't wanna do the teaching at all anymore. And I'd rather focus on this as well as kind of go back into how do I wanna start my own business? It's 100% mine that can give back to people, hence, the one business I'm doing right now.
0: So obviously, as we've kind of mentioned, and you've referenced a few times, like the the micro brews, and like, like beer in general, like that kind of shit has become really popular in the last, I mean, beer is all
2: Uh Oh, that's a problem. Is
0: it me? Is it you? I don't know what did, did I did I lose my signal there? I don't know. You just that's really weird. I've never,
2: and disappeared.
0: I've never had that happen before. It said like meeting starting meeting or something like I thought like it like ended the meeting or something. Ah, uh, that's really weird. My bad. It's all um, good. There we go. Um. Sorry, Greg. I think you'll be able to edit this. Might uh, <laughs> have It might have been, been my internet. Sometimes at night, our our, our internet kind of goes slow for a minute. I'm on the Wi-Fi. Um, I'm trying to think of where I was there. Um, We're talking about beer, oh, yeah. and you're talking about
2: micro beers becoming popular. Yeah.
0: So I know, like, obviously, beer has always been popular, but in in like, but like we've been saying in the last like 20 years, like micro brews and like all these like flavored beers have like exploded in popularity. Like, have you? come up with or thought of any crazy like concoctions or anything like on your, like, you know what I mean? Like anything original or any like specialty brews that you've made? Um,
2: I'm not overly a fan of a lot of the crazy shit that's going on right now. Like milkshake IPAs and <laughs> like the, 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 smoothie sours, like you're basically drinking puree and what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's stupid personal feeling, but uh yeah, we, we did a, um so of course, you know, the style of barley wine, right? So there's barley wine, there's a rye wine, there's a wheat wine, which is like, oh, that's really cool. I want to do something interesting. So spelt is another grain that's, you know, it's, I think from spelt, you get wheat and that's where wheat came from. And people have been using it recently in beer. So I'm like, yeah, well, let's do a high level of spelt and do like that 8.5% alcohol. So there's spelt wine. So that's our, that's my contribution to a new style. Hopefully one day people will pick up on it, but.
0: Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. I mean, it seems like, like, um, I don't, I don't drink anymore. I've, that's a long story in and of itself, but I'm still a fan of like, uh, uh, cannabis and I know that there's like similar thing where it's like, you can just crossbreed and make all these different kinds of things. So it's always cool to see the culture of like all the different things that you like you can come up with. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I mean, hops so. are
2: amazing. It's just the amount of different flavors and aromas. What you can get out of hops. I think there's like 300, 400 plus varieties of hops now. Whereas, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, there was less than 100. And it's just been a constant, like, add these new ones, let's crossbreed this, see what we get out of it, different flavors, different aromas, and just run with it.
0: Do you go to, like, a lot of, like, festivals and, like, if there's, like, competitions and stuff like that, too? Or?
2: Um, we put some stuff into competitions. It was an international competition recently, and we got a gold for a double IPA, which is kind of really cool especially because it's competing against, you know, U S breweries at the same time. That's, that's not an easy thing to beat. Like U S breweries have their shit down um, festivals. Yeah. There's a little bit of festival. We try to avoid it because festivals tend to take a lot of money of what the, you know, the breweries are trying to sell. So it's easier to kind of just pick and choose the ones that are more supportive for the local areas. Uh, there's one that's in our area close to the brewery that they do it every like twice a year or something like that. Uh, you know, they're making some money. The brewers are making some money. The customers are happy. It's kind of like the win-win situation that we'd like to be a part of, that I especially want to be a part of. And it adds to that whole community feel of, of the industry. Same thing that we get like in the hardcore punk scene, that you do a gig and, yeah, the promoter's got to take a little bit of money, but he's not taking so much that he can't pay the bands, or especially the local bands get a little bit of something too, right? That's the kind of situation you want to be in.
0: Yeah, no, like I said, the culture and just the whole like networking and shit seems like it'd be pretty fun for that whole thing. Um, I think we'll probably circle back to talking about this kind of stuff in a little bit, but uh, kind of jumping into bands. Um, we'll talk about your current band, Thirsty, in a second, obviously, but have you been playing in bands in Japan like pretty consistently since you've been there? or? Yeah, I've played in quite a few bands. So I was uh, first in a band called From Beyond,
2: that was uh, there was a Kobe band and I was in Osaka so it was a 20 minute train ride to get the band practice not a big deal uh did that for a few years of course when I moved up to Tokyo I left the band and then somebody else jumped in for a little bit and they broke up after that uh the singer was from New Zealand and he had gotten married and then moved to the U.S. anyway so that's kind of you know two main members moving away so it just didn't continue I played bass briefly in a band called Not in the Misery. They're like a, I guess you could say that kind of crusty, not quite His his Hero's Gone style, but like that His Hero's Gone tragedy, more that dark, hardcore kind of style. Uh, Originally gonna be Just Help, so I helped out, played like five shows with them. Wanted to continue, but again, I moved up to Tokyo, so I didn't continue. Then when I came up here, I played in the grindcore band for a while called Red, Red, Amber. Just run-of-the-mill, crazy tech grind kind of shit. Then uh, during that time, I also joined a band called Akutare, which when I first joined, uh, Chelsea from Deathside uh, Paintbox was playing guitar. And so I got to play with him twice, two different lives. That was fun. That was in that band for about a year and a half, two years, and it's a difference between a lot of like the old style hardcore bands mentality of this is what we do. We do the one thing only and we're going to play twice, three times a month. if We can practice two times a week. It just wasn't for me. I wanted to do other shit too. I wanted to travel. I wanted to see people I knew outside of punk. You know, I just wanted to expand my life as much as possible. So left that band. Um after that, did vocals for a while in a band, uh, originally called Chamber, and then we changed the name to Fuvis. There's a demo. I've got a recording of it somewhere, but that yeah, was all right. I did the recording myself, actually, the first time of kind of learning how to do recording. That was fun. Then didn't do anything for a while, and around 2018, I started the current band. and the first round of members, I kicked them all out. I was just like, no you're not enjoying this. So why the fuck are you doing it? It was kind of my feeling. Like, I didn't want it to be serious. I didn't want it to be, well, it's just something I'm doing. Let's just have fun with it. Like, you know, we're doing this because we want to do it. Not because, Oh, well, I'm bored. I need to play in a band or I need to get known for playing in a band or some stupid shit like that. And then
0: you're saying the first lineup wasn't thirsty enough, basically. (laughs) Pretty much,
2: (laughs) pretty much. It was funny, though, because the current bass player is one of the people I kicked out, but it wasn't him that was off. It was a drummer that really kind of irked me quite a bit at that point. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm tired with all this and nobody seems to really be into it. So fuck it. And then didn't practice for a while and then brought on the new drummer, (laughs) um, had other members that uh, the original singer, she got pregnant. So she left then got the new singer, uh, a girl again. She's from Okinawa. She's like, what, 150 centimeters, so, I don't know, 4 foot 11.
0: But yeah, it's 5 feet, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah 30 yeah, centimeters, yeah.
2: Yeah, and she's just insane live. She's awesome. Then wow. And uh, the, the bass player now is the bass player from before, and I brought him back just out of, I couldn't find somebody to play guitar. And it's like, oh, he can play bass. And after he came back, we kind of talked a lot, and we're like, yeah, this is what we really want to do, and he's been really cool, and pretty much we're now – both in charge of taking care of things in the band it's not just me anymore which is really nice and the old well the second drummer uh Kun, unfortunately again his wife had a baby so he's like yeah sorry she doesn't want me to continue on fair enough and we currently have this guy daryl uh he's from new york city originally he does like a lot of jazz kind of stuff And he's just filling in slash, I don't know how, you know, if he's going to be a permanent member or not. He's not sure if he wants to do you know permanently or not, but yeah, he's quite awesome. So it's a nice extra element into the band.
0: So he's from, he's from the States. Originally he ended up in Japan too. one of the guys in the band.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The drummer is from New York city originally.
0: Wow. That's I guess that makes so, but I guess like by now, are, are you like, do you fully speak the language at this point after being there for so many years?
2: Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. I mean, yeah. I got a lot to learn. My listening <laughs> is pretty much usually 100% good with most everything. When it's conversations that I haven't had before about a topic that I'm not really you know, familiar with the words, then I get a little bit lost. But other than that, no problem. Speaking is always a difficult thing because you need to then pull it out of your head and put it back out into the world, right? So that's something especially... It, I don't know how much I should be working on it with the wife and how much I should be speaking in Japanese. We speak Japanese all the time, even though she understands English though. I think it would be good for her to get her English level up as well. So we could be truly bilingual together. Um, yeah. It's at work. I'm using Japanese most of the time as well. It just kind of pushes me to understand what's going on around me at all times.
0: When you were singing for that band, did you guys play any shows?
2: Oh, yeah, the band I did vocals for, we played, I don't know, maybe six or seven shows, something would like you,
0: that. Would you speak Japanese in between the songs, like for those shows or?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. we did two different songs where I did the lyrics in Japanese as well, Wow. which was not easy because, I mean, it, I'm not very good at remembering the lyrics as it is. And then to do, you know, singing the lyrics in Japanese on top of that, it was not easy for me.
0: Madball would always put one song in Spanish on their albums, but I can't imagine, like, even after living there for so many years, I still can't imagine. Like, I would be so nervous just like going up there and singing, you know, and, and it would be word I'd like put something in the wrong way and like, like say something that might offend somebody or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> like mixing up like words or whatever, because that's that's obviously like not an easy language to learn, you know? So kudos yeah, to yeah. you for, you know, doing that all these years. Um, so uh, I know there's a, a record. You said records are in Buffalo now from Thursday. Like, so you got to, what, a seven inch out, right?
2: Yeah, I put the seven inch out myself uh, through my company. We made 500. The way they do it is like they press 550 if you do 500. And whatever is garbage they throw away and all the extras you can keep. So there's like 537 total, 37 of them. I did special um, labels on the record itself. So, you know, it's a limited 37 Ish version with a beer fanzine in there as well. Uh, out there records should be it. Right, out there records is Jared's record yep. shop. Yeah. Yep. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, they have. I just sent another bunch of records to them. Some of them for send a review places, and I told them to keep like the extra like three or four records. But yeah, they have them. Anybody wants to go to Buffalo when it's not snowing and grab a record or two.
0: Well, as I'm recording this with you tonight, it's 50, it was 50 degrees in Rochester today and it's going to be tomorrow. So, uh, the snow should be fine. I was thinking to myself, like, God, I hope they don't have any floods or anything. Cause that's just going to melt quick. If it's going to be in the fifties there too, you know? So yeah,
2: my dad was saying it seems to be all right right now, but yeah. I mean, who the fuck knows? Buff- the city of Buffalo, yeah. is terrible at plowing side streets are, I'm assuming completely fucked. And if it's warming up, then that's going to be a problem for all those residents in in the
0: city itself I'm, I'm guessing you don't miss the buffalo winters or hell no <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've i've think, when my girlfriend and i first started dating years ago i always said i wanted to move somewhere else and she said she's a fan of the four seasons which i'm like i get it but i personally have always hated winter like i just i don't want to go outside when it's cold out like my you know i just we have kids now so i kind of get it more now like i enjoy seeing them like have fun with it but even still i'm like I'd rather like watch from the window, you know, while you guys. Build a is snowman. Four,
2: four seasons are great. I love having four seasons. I hated Buffalo for, you know, winter being six fucking months long.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. the
2: problem with, you know, yeah. that area of the States. It's just the winter is so long, and so cold, and it's just miserable.
0: Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because
2: of that, there's great hardcore punk bands coming out of Buffalo and Rochester and other places like that. Just, you know, there's. You find something to do when you're stuck inside because it's cold.
0: Yeah, that's true. You told me you made a list of bands when you were listening to one of our recent episodes, and you've already had me writing stuff down tonight, too. So I guess uh, we're just kind of trading uh, trading bands at this point now. So yeah. um, do you guys, I know you mentioned Thirsty's probably going to play with Napalm Death the next time they come over there. Do you guys play like a lot around Japan and stuff or? Uh,
2: not too often because, again, we're all kind of busy. Uh, work and all that kind of shit. It's like, you know, as you get older, you don't have that time to play all the time. Uh, We're playing next month on the 8th, uh, just a small place in Shibuya that's easy to book. I mean, the biggest problem with doing shows here is the live houses are expensive. You're looking at, on the cheap side, the last two thirsty gigs that I put on through my company, we went to a place around, around where my brewery is, not too far away. And we did an afternoon show, like, you know, from 12 to three, just short three bands. And that was 45,000 yen, which is like 450 bucks Wow! to rent the place. So you're looking at, you know, if you can get 40 people in there for 1,200 yen, like 12 bucks, then yeah, you break even, not making anything, but you break even. If you do a regular live house and like do at night, you're looking at. Anywhere from eighty thousand to one hundred forty thousand yen to rent the place. Hence, the cost in Japan usually gigs are like two thousand yen, two thousand five hundred yen. When a you know band from overseas come over, then you're looking anywhere from four thousand to six thousand yen for the gig to go see them. So like forty wow. to sixty bucks. Wow. Which I mean, That's if it's crazy. a band I really want to see, I've never seen before, I can justify that. But if it's a band I've seen before and I'm like, why are you still playing? Then I kind of, you know, don't bother to go see him for 40 bucks.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. I can't like the, the, just you talking about the venue cost. That's almost like double it. It would be to rent something out here. Cause I'm just getting back into doing shows now and you know, not to put the, the local venues costs out there, but what you, what you quoted there is, is like almost what it costs to rent like a bigger venue out here. And I'm just like, holy shit. Really? You know, it's crazy. Damn. Yeah. Not like a huge venue but a pretty like definitely bigger than the bug jar um do, so the bug like, jar is what,
2: 200 people
0: yeah the bug jar is like 200 people so something in between okay. that it, like like four or five hundred people sounds like about what you're talking about yeah mm. you know um it's pretty crazy um uh so yeah like like i was t- talking to you before the interview started i know you told me that you're kind of starting to, you were, you've been working for like a year now on, on doing like a company that kind of helps donate uh, profits to like charity and stuff. You want to kind of talk about that a little bit or. Yeah. It's um
2: name of the company is Unus Mundus, which is Latin for one world. I spent a good two years just really diving into like Carl Young, uh, Albert Camus, Liberty Nietzsche, um, Touched a little into like Hume and such like that. And it just kind of got me back into that thinking of it'd be good to give back to people, it'd be good to kind of if you're okay yourself, if you've got yourself focused into a, a level of you can take care of yourself, then why not help take care of other people? Though I'd actually argue that if you're struggling with taking care of yourself, taking care of other people will help you take care of yourself as well. Um yeah, so I just kind of want to run with that and if it you know, blows up into something awesome and helps me become independent again and not have to have a job, that's great. If it doesn't, I just give a little bit of money every year to charity. That's awesome too. Uh, we've made shirts, uh, hoodies, put out the Thirst EP, put out two CDs from a friend's band called Fever Moon. Um, i going to put out a children's book which is coming hopefully early next year. I wrote the story and a person that we know that her drawings are pretty cool, have her do the art, kind of working on that right now. Last year, we gave 500 bucks to charity. This year, 300, because this year just didn't do as well in money, but you know didn't even make profit for either of the years, but still want to continue that. We give at least something every year at the end of the year. Um, yeah, did different events. seen people are getting interested and on board with what we're trying to do so yeah just trying to get it out there as much as possible and even if if we we make nothing and we just still do what i'm doing constantly i'm fine with that if it gets people to be like oh shit how can i help out what can i do and it changes their kind of perspective of how to approach the world and give back to other people then i'm happy that's more than worth my time
0: i mean everything you're saying and then talking when you were talking about doing the the collabs with barney and having that money go to charity too it just I, I always go back to a lot of like a lot of the lessons we learned from coming up in like punk and hardcore you know what i mean like and i've talked about that on this podcast a few times lately because it's just like relevant to what's going on in our city too like i just think it's mm. important for people like us who came up in hardcore and punk to kind of give back to our community when we can and to help those that need it because i feel like i don't want to put us on a pedestal but you know what i mean i feel like and again, not to be cliche, but the whole make a change thing is definitely like kind of always impacted me. And It's the whole activism thing's always been important to me, that aspect of hardcore, you know?
2: Hmm. I don't look at it so much as a side of like, you know, punk and hardcore should be doing that. I would say more that if your community, your punk community, your hardcore community has reached a level of stability that you're all taking care of each other, why not spread that out? Why not offer that in different ways? Why not do the benefit shows why not you know take the time get together and go clean a park or help give food to homeless you know that you used to see like food not bombs back in the day doing shit like that though i never thought they were doing it in places that were really worth doing it at but different conversation it, it's weird because i remember right before i left buffalo there was a lot of like the the, the crust punks and like that that underground like the the basement scene all the pc punks and all that and they were so determined we're going to change the world but they're also all the same ones are taking the money from mom and dad to live and you know so they're going out there and doing things but it was more for show than actually doing it so i'd rather people do like let's actually do something that makes an impact even if it's a small one who cares don't do it for show you don't have to tell everybody about it all the time even when i'm trying to sell stuff for my company i I sometimes talk about the charity but i don't push it too hard because I know you get that kind of reaction of like, oh, is he doing this because he wants the, the high fives and the likes? Or is he doing this because he actually gives a fuck about it, right? Like you have the guy, what's the guy who, the recent dude who just took down the whole fucking, um, uh, like, Bitcoin shit. Uh, who's that guy? FBS, is that, or whatever?
0: Oh, the, the, H, I, the H, I forget the initials. Are you talking about the... the- or yeah, did somebody I mean, take that down too? I, I I'm well, thinking was, of maybe I'm thinking of something else. It wasn't Bitcoin,
2: but like one of those, you know, fucking things. It just the guy was giving all this money to charity and trying to help and everything else. Like that's yeah, great, but you're also fucking stealing from people at the same time. You're doing it. Are you doing it because you actually want to help? Or are you doing it because you want to look good? If you're going to do this, do it because it actually comes from yourself and you just want to do it for other people. You don't have to show it off. You don't have to kind of like make a big deal about it. And usually people who are making a big deal out of that kind of shit are the ones who are the first to come up as, oh, actually, you're a piece of shit and you're an asshole. And I think it goes the same if you bring it down to like the, the hardcore punk community, like the biggest, you know, the loudest people about straight edge or loudest people about veganism or vegetarianism tend to be the ones who are also dicks in other parts of their lives. And the first ones to like stop doing it and just continue on being a dick anyway. Right. Whereas the ones who, you know, still going strong or straight edge and are still, you know, great people like from Buffalo for me, like Mark Miller, just always awesome dude that, you know, we're never really close friends, but he was always that kind of guy. Like you needed something, he'd be there for you, that he really would live that life of like, I'm doing the best for myself so I can do the best for other people. I think if you can do it that way, you don't need to advertise it. And those people are not out there advertising so much that, oh, I'm straight edge still or whatever, right? But yeah, I mean, that, that's the way I want to kind of approach the, the company and just, I want to do it for whoever I can help in Japan. And maybe one day, if we do a collaboration with the company with Napalm Death, then okay, we'll send the money uh, charity into the UK or we'll do it, you know, to a charity they want in Japan or somewhere else in the world, whatever it helps whoever they want to help.
0: Yeah. Like I said, it's always, you know, it's good to hear but that you're trying to give back and stuff. It's definitely good. Uh, I got a few more Buffalo questions. I feel like there's a few Buffalo things that we might not have touched on. Well, one other another thing I'm curious about too, is like, how often do you, do you try to make it back to Buffalo? I'm, I'm guessing probably not, not that often at this point. Right.
2: On the last 10 years, I've only been back twice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's 2022 we can do what we're doing right now.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I I,
2: I would love to see, you know, my family, I would love to see uh, my brother's children, my niece and nephew. But I also got to build my own life here and I can't be spending and thinking I need to go back. I need to go back. I don't think that's a productive way to live either. When you can, you have time by all means do it. But if you don't have time, don't feel bad about it. Just build something somewhere else that, Maybe you can share another means with, you know, those people you'd like to see.
0: Obviously, I know winter is not going to be the answer to this, but is there anything aside from like family and friends that you really miss uh, from Buffalo?
2: Not so much. I mean, you can get most of everything that you want anywhere in the world now, right? So food wise, there's like I miss some food. I just make it myself if it's not here. Um, Yeah, I mean, family and friends, that's about it. And now that we can do, you know, zoom calls or FaceTime or whatever the fuck it is, it's not so necessary. Like messaging, you know, instant kind of conversations that you just have if the person was three blocks away or if they're halfway around the world. So.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. When, when we first started doing this podcast, well, I was doing it, it was just me in the beginning, but when I first started doing it in uh, April of 2020, I never would have thought that I would have already interviewed people that are located in uh urine uh, in Japan. I've interviewed somebody who's located in Australia, South America, Europe. Uh, it's just crazy that the technology is there we can just do these interviews. And aside from my one little glitch that people here in the podcast probably won't notice um, <laughs> aside from that, like there's, there's very rarely any issues with doing interviews like this. It's just crazy. I mean, I have some people on my list that want to do these in person. And like, for me, like having like all these things at the palm of our hands, literally now it has kind of eliminated like that kind of interaction where like, we don't really need to do interviews in person, but I kind of do want to start doing them like that, you know? Mm. But also like, I feel like Greg and I might approach interviewing somebody face-to-face a lot differently than we would on like a Zoom thing, you know what I mean? I don't know if that that like makes sense at all.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of years well listening to podcasts and hearing different things that like, you know, the interviews are remote versus interviews in person. I don't actually hear a difference in it. It doesn't sound like there's that much of a difference. If both sides are patient and respectful people, then there won't be so much talking over each other and you actually get a good conversation. So, I, I mean, I, have been listening to, you know, different, uh, interviews you've done. Everything sounds good. It's, it's good back and forth. There's not a lot of interruptions between the, you and whoever you're interviewing. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're doing a great job, honestly. I really enjoyed that last year one with uh, Rob and Greg doing the end of the year review. That was just, it's kind of fun hearing about records that I just missed and kind of get a different perspective of what, you know, people are listening to.
0: I appreciate all the compliments and I feel like you would like uh, uh warfare and killing pace out of all those bands. So um, it's crazy. There's bands that are like, like I don't think we would have seen bands like in in the mid nineties doing like, grind core with like mosh parts you know what i mean like like legit like 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 people are gonna like 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 really mosh to it you know what i mean like there was like yeah 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 i don't know if you remember that band shotokan that was like dude's moment of truth like they had they were like improv and they would do stuff like that with like blast beats and mosh parts but like all due respect to my friends that almost wasn't like a real band you know what i mean like they weren't like touring or like putting out records they were like kind of just like set up as like i i I always thought that it was kind of just muskrat with people but like But now there's like real bands doing that. It's crazy. Like there, and like people are like into it and shit. Like I never would have thought you would have seen like, some uh a mesh of the two worlds or whatever. Um, but, um, what's I gonna say? Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying all that. I guess my other question that we didn't really talk about, we kind of talked about like you coming up in the Buffalo scene and stuff, but are there like specific, like of all your time going to shows in Buffalo? Are there like memories that like stand out there? Like, man, that was a really, like, that was a really cool show. That was a really fun time, like seeing that show
2: let's see integrity h100s that was quite good chris erba just really fucking pissing people off um the 108 bloodlet show that was great what else stands out Warzone at uh, mercury theater that was awesome i think it was like six months before rabies died as well kind of just it was yeah just luckily got a chance to see them um What else? What else stands out? I mean, a lot of the basement gigs at Custer and 33 Tyler. Awesome times. Um, That scene kind of did a good job of kind of getting everybody together and becoming friends and working together. Though it's still it seemed to have that split between that and like more of the bigger, you know, metal, hardcore, uh, New York style, hardcore shows. I don't know how that is now in Buffalo or Rochester. Is that kind of stopped and everyone's just playing same shows together? It doesn't matter if it's in a basement or at a
0: club. Well, like I was saying, I think with like bands having like, like, like that grind core and mosh parts mixed together. now I think, I think the scenes are kind of more like mixed in a little bit more. Like you see mm-hmm. a lot more mixed bills, especially when bands go on tour. Now I'll look at a tour and I'll be like, holy shit. Like I never would have expected to see like that, like, Like what you would call like a post hardcore like pop punk band touring with like a mosh band and like you know what i mean a couple different like varied styles like that it's like i think hardcore is just in this place now where it's just getting really big and like people can like do more like different things i mean what what people call hardcore or perceive as hardcore now like i know there's the term hardcore adjacent which i think you know it is what it is but like i i think at this point like there's just so many different things that you can call hardcore that it's 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 pretty crazy i think covid i think hardcore definitely exploded over covid like nobody really knew what was going to happen and i think it like i think it got pretty popular you yeah. know
2: but what would you consider hardcore adjacent i I've, i heard that term for the first time on that last podcast i listened to of yours so just kind of like what the fuck is that I,
0: so it's weird to me like i feel the same way you do i the way i perceive it like from hearing other people say it it's like anything that i don't consider hardcore but like it's hardcore kids playing music that could be perceived as like post hardcore or like that's what i think it is but but it could also be maybe it's like things that aren't traditional hardcore but like they play hardcore shows you know i have to get some whoever invented that term is welcome to come on the podcast and explain it to us so randy and i can understand it better um because i i think it's i think it's a really stupid term if i didn't already say that on the last episode but I use it with air quotes now because I don't really know what else to say when I'm like, not talking about a band that like you or I would call hardcore, you know what I mean? Cause there's like
2: millimeter and helmet. Would that be then hardcore adjacent?
0: I think people might say that now because some of these bands that I'm thinking of like a drug church, you know, they're like almost like, like they're not, they don't definitely don't sound like hardcore, but they're hardcore kids and they play like, I don't even know what you call like grunge or shoegaze maybe. And like they but like it's all hardcore kids you know i I don't know if i'm describing this properly i don't know if i'm gonna lose my podcast license after this episode but (laughs) um i I, like i like i said i think the term's kind of dumb i use it because i've heard other people use it now and i know that it means what it means i guess but to me it's still kind of i'd rather just say it's post-hardcore i guess you know
2: so what what would you consider turnstile
0: their first two records are fucking their first two seven inches are good hardcore i've never heard those before um, no i've only
2: heard like more of the recent stuff and i've just thought of it as like stadium hardcore
0: i haven't really i honestly i think i mentioned started mentioning this on a previous episode I, i've only heard like one or two songs off of their last album because like once they started kind of shifting their sound it just wasn't as much for me like i respect what they're doing because like they just they're playing music they like and they're like making a really good living off of it but like i like their first two seven inches because it's like good hardcore but I, I don't know if it's not like it's it's not like super fast hardcore it's just like like mashi hardcore like the, the drummer or the singer played drums in trapped under ice you know what i mean so it, you can tell yeah. that they're like kind of still kind of doing that kind of stuff in the beginning um but then once they once they put out their first lp it was like again i'm not shitting on them because it's you know they're doing what they're doing but it just wasn't something i was into you know but that but those are bands that i think that's might be where the term hardcore jason started popping off i don't i don't know because there's yeah. also like bands like code orange and uh bands like that that are more like metalcore or like new metal hardcore you know and i don't i don't know if, i don't know <laughs> there's so much like again there's in 2020 well this is going to air in 2023 in 2022 though while we're talking like there's just so many different things that you can call hardcore it's just you know it's i don't know
2: <laughs> yeah no i mean
0: i understand like
2: i guess it's i know with myself I haven't been searching out too many new bands. I wait for other things to pop up that people I respect know will say, hey, I've been listening to this or something like that. Of course, bands that I've been, that I found recently from Buffalo versus Pure Heel and uh, Pissing Match have been pretty good. And then just Irish voodoo records in general seems to have a lot of interesting bands on them. Uh, What else? I think other bands I've listened to that are, New to me, but new to me also means like something from the 80s that I just missed, or something from the 60s that I missed, and that's what I've been doing. Just kind of going back and looking at different things as well as hopefully getting introduced something that's coming out now. And I'm trying to listen to as much different things as possible, especially if I'm going to continue writing songs for my own band. And not to say I'm like a great musician or anything, I'm not. But if I want to structure a song, I need to kind of hear all these different ideas and how can I throw this into like what I'm making. And kind of go from there so it's been fun in the last six months to a year to just kind of like find things i've not heard before or bands that just came out now they're like oh shit this is fucking awesome kind of just get my mind going as well and i would assume those bands that are making all this great music are probably doing the same thing listening to a bunch of different uh music to kind of get their minds moving and being creative so
0: yeah it's it's funny you mentioned that. i i think i started talking about this on an episode that's going to air uh, shortly before this, so I won't talk about it too, too in depth, but I heard somebody on a podcast talk about this recently where like, uh, I think he was interviewing either Toby from H2O or, or MC surge from third base. I know that's kind of a, a big gap of people, but it was one of those two people. And he asked the, the, the host, like what he listens to. And the host was like, it's hard for me to listen to a lot of stuff because I have so many interviews lined up that I'm, I'm always listening to like the guests that I'm about to interview his music. And at the time i was like man that's kind of a shitty answer but but then i but then after that like two months later i had like 10 interviews lined up like in like a short period of time and i realized like like now that's how it is for me and now that greg and i are kind of ramping it back up to do a lot of interviews again now it's like for me i try to keep up with current stuff but like we like when i'm about to interview somebody i want to make sure i'm listening to their music and then like i want to keep up with like the current hardcore stuff because i want to start featuring that on these episodes and stuff you know so like the stuff that i i, I listen to on the side, like rap and stuff. Like, I don't even have time for that anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm trying to keep up with like what's current and the other stuff that I like. And like some podcasts I listen to are definitely falling by the wayside again. You know, it's just so hard to keep up because again, like with hardcore becoming more popular and like podcasts becoming more popular, like there's just whatever you're into, there's, there's nonstop content. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely like, you can always find something that you're into now, like whether to listen to it's, it's insane, you know?
2: So, Well, it, I just uh, my wife and I just moved into a place together at the beginning of this month and she's not much into watching TV. And her dad has a huge record collection like jazz and uh, R&B and soul, some oldie stuff, too. So she's used to like just having music on all the time. So it's got me back to listening to music like records at home all the time. So now when I'm at work popping in an ear an earphone and just listening to something turns into a podcast. So I'm kind of balancing it out that way. So I can listen to conversations and different thoughts and ideas and get my mind moving that way. Plus at home, listening to music. And it's just, I feel more centered now. Like it's more relaxed, like having all that going on, but yeah, I understand it's hard to kind of keep up with everything. Cause there is so much content out there. There is so many choices. Where do you kind of draw that line or I maybe mean, do you want to go back and listen to something over and over again? Or do you want to listen to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing? The same thing with food, the same thing with drinks that we, you know, do I always drink this jasmine tea because it's what I love? Or do I, you know, try the, all the other different teas constantly to kind of broaden my horizons? Do I listen to that integrity LP every week or do I listen to, you know, 10 different records in the week? Recently I've been trying to do the different records that I'm just going to go through my whole collection and listen to every single record from now until however long it takes me. And then I'll go back through and redo things after that. Uh, I think with podcasts as well, I'm trying to, like, you know, I'll listen to something. I think the conversation is good. I'll make notes about that, those different topics. And then go back later in my own thinking, like kind of revisit it through conversations with friends or even just making notes and writing a little bit about it. Yeah, it's, It's also finding the time to do all that. How do you do that? How do you balance that in your life? Do you have that ability to balance that in your life, right? Like you're a stay-at-home dad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you probably have a little bit easier time that you could like maybe throw on a podcast in the background or throw on some music in the background. Uh, I feel I'm pretty lucky with working in the brewery because, yeah, if I'm kegging a beer, if I'm cleaning a tank, super easy for me just by myself to have that earphone and listen to a podcast that I can concentrate on both easily. So maximizing my time throughout the day that, yeah, I'm working and I'm getting paid for the last eight hours a day, but I also spent two and a half hours, three hours in depth, in a conversation about life Or you know, like, um, I think some of the best conversations have been more philosophical conversations that I just really enjoyed. The meanings of like, what do you think there's meaning in life? What do you think is the best way to approach how to deal with your everyday life and that kind of thing? So yeah, just using that to concentrate on improving myself constantly, which then I've made the argument to brewers and I'll make the same argument to people playing hardcore punk and I'll make the same argument to, you know, almost every aspect of your life, looking into fixing yourself, using philosophy in ways to know yourself better will allow you to interact better, will allow you to be more creative, will allow you to, you know, be the better version of what you're trying to do. On a constant you know it, you're gonna go up and down but you'll be on a, a long-term up scale kind of thing i think so
0: well you know what's weird is is with the stay-at-home dad thing i thought i would have a lot more time with this but it's like the opposite but but i <laughs> during the day i try to do the earbud thing sometimes it's hard because sometimes i'll have like like both my son and daughter screaming at the same time and my dog crying in the background so it's like you know but now my son's in preschool so i have Monday, Wednesday and Friday, like three hours, those each though, those days. So I'll try to catch up on some stuff. Then if my daughter's asleep, if I don't fall asleep with her, you know, Um, but it's definitely a balancing act, which I've kind of gotten used to. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, there's I mean, especially with COVID though, it's just like podcasting has exploded. So it's just like whatever you're interested in, if you're trying to listen to stuff, it's, it's out there, you know, so, um, I guess before we start wrapping up, uh, is there anything uh, that uh, that you would have wanted in the conversation that I missed or anything else that we didn't go over or anything like that?
2: Not really. I mean, I just hope that I can get people listening to Thirsty and maybe looking more into, even if it's not buying some shit for me for my charity company, think about doing that on your, You know, if you have an extra couple of bucks, give it to somewhere that's going to help your community rather than to something that's not. So yeah, I, mean, I think that's we can kind of keep that mindset that you think about how you spend your money. Can't always do it. Sometimes yeah, I got to buy this shitty little desk that I need for the apartment that's from IKEA or whatever place you don't really want to buy it from, but it's all you can afford. But when you're going out to like you know have dinner, go to a local restaurant, don't go to a chain shop. You know, go to your local brewery and have a beer. Don't go to. Don't go and have Budweiser or whatever the fuck you know people are drinking nowadays. But you know, just try to do things that help your community as much as possible because if your community is good, then you'll be good as well.
0: Um, like I said, we're going to play the track uh, Be Happy by Your Band Thirsty at the end of the episode. Uh, we'll make sure we put the band camp in the show notes. Uh, I know you said the, the album's for free for download on there right now. Yep, both uh, the demo
2: and the EP are now free for download. So please go for it, people. Enjoy it, download it. If you want to throw tiny bit of money please do that too not expected i'd rather just get the music out there and you know go from there
0: um i guess with all that being said anything else you want to plug or any other shout outs or closing words
2: i just hope everybody in buffalo is doing all right with all that snow um i would say that Somebody you might want to interview later on is uh, Ben, who used to be, he was living in Toronto, originally from Toronto, lived in Osaka. Now he's in Victoria, Canada. And he did a zine about that integrity show, the infamous integrity show in Rochester, because he was there for that. Uh, he's done a couple other awesome zines, just small, he did a, a gauze zine. He did a interview with Ian McKay from uh, minor threat. That was quite interesting as well. So yeah, I'd recommend having him on there because, again, originally from Toronto, so still in the same general area that you're trying to focus on, plus has a good uh, knowledge of different things that went on as well as has a lot of interesting stories to tell. And I'd also say, uh, I'd like to say shout-out to Mike Jeffers, who you interview quite a bit, as he is a mainstay of, of the Western New York hardcore scene. Everybody knows who he is. He's played in everybody's band, I'm sure.
0: Um, uh, Mike will be on on the podcast again in 2023. That's all I'm I have sure. to say about yeah. that. Even if he doesn't have anything coming up, he'll be on here at some point. Shout out to Mike Jeffers.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's somebody who's been involved and been dedicated to it for the whole time. He's never wavered whatsoever. He's that person who's like, I don't give a shit what senior part of. If you're somebody I like, I'm going to go see your band play live. He's, he is what we should all strive to be as a good friend, that somebody is there to support you no matter what.
0: The Hardcore Archive podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci.
1: This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore community. Theme song provided by Standfast. Visit
0: Hardcore Archive podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes.
1: Follow Hardcore Archive Podcast and Enterprise Hardcore Podcast on Instagram for updates.
0: If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at podcast at (laughs) gmail.com.
1: There's nothing to try, go back and go back Walk up, go, go. I'll say, be, and go be, 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 go, be, be up, go go back a friend, a tent, a tent, a happy a tent, a tent, a tent, a tent, a tent, You go this happy time Go top, get up. go down, and move do say that's a great, happy zone Just have to Welcome, up, welcome, up, welcome, 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 welcome,